an eyewitness account. My week started off like any other week with the usual assignments, but it ended like no other week I've ever had in my life. As a Roman centurion, I'm in charge of a detachment of soldiers, and we're tasked with protecting the government officials, with protecting the government buildings, with patrolling the neighborhoods, and with keeping law and order. And this week was the Jewish annual Passover celebration. And thousands of Jews come into the city this week to celebrate Passover. So it's a very busy week for us as soldiers. We have to keep the crowds under control and keep law and order. And on Sunday, a so-called prophet named Jesus came riding into the city on a donkey. There were hundreds of Jews with him. Some of them were taking their coats and they were putting them in front of the donkey as he rode over them. Some were taking palms out of the trees and cutting them and laying them on the road in front of the donkey. Some were just waving them at him. But they were yelling, Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. (laughs) He caused quite a stir, that's for sure. I had heard rumors about this Jesus performing miraculous signs, but I'd never met him. But the crowds seemed to quiet down pretty well, and and all was okay. So the night went on. (laughs) But Monday, Monday, this Jesus went into their temple. And he went in, and he he turned over all the tables of all the vendors and the money changers, and he was yelling at them. He was kicking them out of the temple. Raising such a ruckus, telling him that it's his father's house. <laughs> Get out of my father's house, he says. You're turning it into a den of robbers. And I thought we were going to have a riot, but it quieted down and he left town later on that day. So it seemed to resolve itself. <laughs> but on Tuesday he was back. And he went back into the temple and he was, he was teaching the people caused an enormous stir. I think every leader of the city was in there, every, every teacher, every elder. They were in there listening to his teaching, arguing with him back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> some, of his lead, some of his followers said that he was their Messiah, <laughs> their Savior. Yeah, the crowds were, were large that day. But he was stirring the pot. He was stirring the pot. But I must say, some of his answers left all of the elders speechless. They didn't have an answer for some of those. There were afternoon meetings that afternoon between the leaders and the council on Tuesday and Wednesday. Jesus had offended these men. Rumor among us guards was that they were creating a plot to capture him, to to take him and arrest him, and they wanted to kill him. But we were told they weren't going to do this during the feast because it would cause a riot. But late Wednesday, one of his followers, this man named Judas, came and he asked for a meeting with the elders. And he told him that he would hand this Jesus over to him. He would pick a time when he was not with a group of people. But he wanted some money. (laughs) They paid him 50 shekels and, and he went off. I didn't know what to make of it. But I was told later that night, on Thursday, that this Judas came through. 
He told the leaders where he would be, and there would only be a few of his followers, a perfect time to get him. So the elders got a group of people together to go get him. And this Judas fellow, he led him on, showed him right where he was over in this garden. And they brought him straight downtown to Caiaphas. But he came willingly, so that was a good thing for us. He must be a real danger because we do not hold court at night. But he was in front of Caiaphas and all the elders and the teachers of the law, they were already there. They were already there at the court waiting for him. Apparently he was asked if he was the Messiah, if he was the Christ, the Son of God. And he answered, yes. (laughs) That's an amazing claim from an ordinary man. But there was a lot of talk about this man and some of the miracles that he'd done. Supposedly, he'd cured people from diseases. He even raised a man from the dead that was on his way to his burial. Rumors are he also raised a friend of his from the dead. He's even told people that their sins were forgiven. I didn't know what to think of that. But court was adjourned and everybody went home. And Friday morning, all of the leaders got together in the court, and they met, and they decided that they were going to send him to Jesus. So they called me and told me to get my men ready. <clears throat> so I got my men ready, and we took him down to the palace and waited for Pilate to arrive. Sometimes when we do this, we take the prisoners into the palace where the people aren't around, and my men, my men are ruthless. They'll, they'll taunt him. They'll beat him. But I'll tell you, they, they were rough. They were rough on this man. They were insulted that he would say that he's the son of God. Some of my men put a robe on him and they teased him, talked him. You're the king, son of God, save yourself. (laughs) They beat him, they spit on him, they teased him. They do that. One of my men took and got some thorns and he, he wound it into a crown and he just pushed it on his head. This man didn't say anything. He said nothing. He didn't fight back, didn't do anything. So when it was time to take him down to Golgotha in front of Pilate, we went in front of Pilate, and he met, and everybody was there, and Pilate asked him. He said, hey, they say you say you're the king of the Jews, are you? And he said, yes. He said, yes. <laughs> wow. What do you do with that? Well, the Jews have a custom during Passover. They allow one prisoner to be released every year. So Pilate asked them, do you guys want me to release Jesus? They said, no. Give us Barabbas. (laughs) Barabbas. I know Barabbas. Barabbas is a thief. And Pilate asked them again, do you want me to release Barabbas or Jesus? They said, release Barabbas. But what amazed me was they said, crucify Jesus. For what? For what? For words? But they were angry. They were so angry. They told him, crucify Jesus. So Pilate gave in. And he ordered him to be crucified. So I had my men get him ready. We took him down to Golgotha. And I made him carry his cross. 
<laughs> gave him his cross and said, you carry it. So he, he carried it for part of the way, but the poor guy was so exhausted that he couldn't continue. So I had one of the men in the crowd come in and you carry it. He carried it the rest of the way. We had three prisoners to crucify that day, so I ordered my men to get busy. And they, they got the job done. One of my men asked me if they could make a sign that said, King of the Jews, and put it on top of the cross. So that's fine. Go ahead. So he did. We got the crosses up so that the, the crowds could see the, the men hanging on the cross. We stood at the base of the cross and made a line so nobody could pass it, but his Jews would come up come up to this man. They didn't speak to either of the other two men. They spoke to this Jesus fellow. said, you're the king of the Jews, huh? <laughs> Get yourself down. Come on, you said you're the king of the Jews. You said if you destroyed the temple, you'd rebuild it in three days. Come on, do it. The people teased him and they taunted him. said, bring yourself down. Save yourself, king of the Jews. This man said nothing back. My men were down at the bottom going to take his clothes. They were fighting over his clothes, and I was afraid they were just going to rip it. They were causing the scene, so I said, guys, guys, just cast some lots. So they cast lots for his clothes, and they divvied up his clothes. And as we stood there guarding the crosses, I heard one of the criminals say to this Jesus, he said, hey, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself and save us too. And I heard the other criminals say, aren't you afraid of God? We're here because of the crimes we committed, but this man has done nothing. He's innocent. And then he said the most interesting thing. He said, Jesus, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And this Jesus said something I'll never forget. He said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. I didn't know what to think of that. About the sixth hour, the men were still alive on the crosses. The strangest thing happened. There was no storm in sight. There was not a cloud in the sky. But the sun disappeared. It just got dark, and I don't even know how it got dark. It got almost as dark as night. It was strange, and I knew something was happening, but I didn't know what. I knew something was happening. And then I heard this Jesus talking to himself. So I got to the bottom of the cross, and I just listened in. And I heard him say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who's he talking to? And then I heard him say, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. I don't understand it, but the instant that he died, the ground started to shake. We started to have an earthquake. And then I heard screaming and I heard yelling coming over from by the temple. And I had no idea what was going on. So I told my men, what is happening over there? Go find out what's happening. And I dispatched my men. And we all stood there not understanding what was happening. And they came back and they said, Sir, the curtain in the temple has been torn in two. I said, What do you mean it's been torn in two? He said, It's been torn in two. 
How? The curtain is 60 feet tall and 30 feet wide and 4 inches thick. How does it get torn in two? They said, we don't know, sir, but the instant that that man died, the curtain was ripped in half. We were speechless. We, we were speechless. As we stood there, what just happened? It was quiet, but I knew. I knew that I had just witnessed something happen between God and man. And as we all stood there silent, many of the people went home, but we stood there at the base of that cross. And as I looked up, I had to speak. I had to speak. I said, surely, surely this was the Son of God. And I put him there. So I haven't been able to put into words what happened the next two days. Someday I will. This man rose from the dead. This man rose from the dead. Someday I'll write it all down. But for now, this I can say, that he's real and that he lives. Wow. Can you imagine being there the last weeks, the last week of Jesus' life? Can you imagine being an eyewitness to him riding into the town on a donkey to fulfilling a prophecy? Can you imagine being a witness to the anger of the crowds, to being a witness of his last teachings in the temple, to be a witness of all the events of his life, to see him crucified, to see him rise again? Today we celebrate Palm Sunday. This is the celebration of the day that Jesus started the last week of his life. When he rode into town on a donkey. And you know, guys, there's a point when you hear the gospel and you hear Jesus crucified and he rose that you have to make a decision. What do I do with this information? What do I do with it? You know, scripture says this in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Romans 9, 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You see, we have to make a decision, don't we? Do we decide whether or not we're going to let this Jesus be the Lord of our life? Whether he's going to be the Savior. Not just an acquaintance, not just a blessing machine that we say prayers to in hopes that he's going to answer our prayer and give us what we want. But will he be the master of our lives and the Lord of our life? Last week, Josh gave an awesome sermon on why Jesus had to die. Why did it have to be blood? Why did blood have to be shed? And what was the reason that he had to die? It was to pay the penalty for our sins, your sins, and my sins. But the real reason that Jesus died is because he wants to have a relationship with you, a close relationship with you. And the only way that he can do that is if he paid the price for that sin. That's what stood and stands between you and him. 
is that sin. And once Jesus died and took that sin away, his greatest desire, having created you, is that he can also have a relationship with you every day. Isn't that amazing? And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior today, we're going to give you an opportunity before you leave to pray about that. But the best part of this whole series that we've been doing, eyewitness accounts, it doesn't stop on the Sunday that Jesus rose. It's today. It's every day that you walk with Jesus as your Savior. You have eyewitness accounts of his action in your life and your changed heart, your changed lives, the power that's in your life and the people, things that people see. An eyewitness of Jesus today, every single day. You see, God has a plan for your life. Things for you to see, to do, to experience that only he can put together. And you can't get that any other way. Any other way. What God's designed for you. Except to know him as your Lord and your Savior. You know, and as we go into this last week, a holy week of Easter. Here's my prayer, guys. That Easter doesn't just come and go. It doesn't come and go. You know, I've had Easter's where the only thing that I remember was whether the ham was dry. And who was there. Right? <laughs> But I don't want it to be that way. I, I, I want it to be an Easter, you know, that we remember. I've had periods of my life, and maybe you're sitting here today too, where your life is just a drudgery. You're just going through day by day, and you say, you know, yeah, when I became saved, it was, it was exciting, and I loved my Christian walk, but it's lost its shine, and it's just going through life day after day. I don't have any closeness with Christ anymore. It's just duty. I go to church because I'm supposed to. I do the right things because I'm supposed to. And it wasn't how I expected my Christian life to be. It's lonely. But that's not how God wants it to be, you guys. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And God has power for your life. You know, when we walk out these doors, you guys, there's a bunch of people that don't believe what you believe. They're lost. They're no different than the Roman soldier going about his duty every day. And you guys, we have the power of God who raised him from the dead. And gave him, you had that exact same power flowing through, flowing through you every day. We can't be a defeated set of Christians going about our lives. We can't let the enemy push you down with life's experiences and the drudgeries of life. We have power. You have Jesus Christ living inside you. I'm sorry, but that's pretty cool. You have to admit, right? But, but. The only way that you get that is if you seek him. And the way that you seek him is through prayer and time spent with him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And my prayer for our church, you guys, is this. That we would take some time this week. We're all busy. We all got things to do. But to carve out some time and get into the word of God and read the scriptures of his last week of his life. And meditate on them. Start, start in either Mark 11 or Matthew 21 or Luke 19. And just read through it this week. Carve out time each day to just read through the scriptures. And secondly, spend some time just in his presence this week. Recently, I've been reading a book that two women in my small group, Ellen Kunis and Heidi Karras, recommended for me to read. It's called An Invitation to Solitude and Silence. And this book is about how to sit in God's presence and listen. Because I'm not good at it. <laughs> when I sit in God's presence, I'm, I'm all over the map. I have so much noise in my head. 
But the lady recommends just starting with 10 minutes. Set your timer for 10 minutes and sit in God's presence. And I tell you, the first number of times I did this, we just got a new dog, and I've been training the dog. And I'm teaching the dog focus, right? And when I sit in front of God, I sit there, and I, I imagine I'm sitting knee to knee looking at him and, and focusing on him. And then I'm over here. <laughs> and then I'm over here. And it's like he keeps taking my chin going, focus. And I'm over here. There's, it's, it's amazing how much junk is inside my mind rolling. But I've been doing this for a couple of weeks. Just sitting down. And I set my timer for 10 minutes and I sit in God's presence. I will tell you, it's getting easier every day. It doesn't take 10 minutes to let all the junk go. Now I'm down to about five. I've got to take five to let all the stuff go away. And then I truly sit in God's presence. And he just gives me clarity. He gives me a peace. I start my day so much differently. And I just want to recommend, we're a busy people, but there's nothing more than what God wants is to have your time and your attention to read his word. It's amazing that the creator of the universe wants to spend time with you and he wants to communicate with you and he wants to give you the power that you deserve. Christopher, can you come up? So let me ask you a question. If you were to ask yourself today, where is your relationship with God? Is it like the Roman soldier? You're just going through your day and it's, you're just not in communion, not talking to God at all? Just, he's just not present? Or are you over here where, yeah, I, I have a relationship. I pray. I do some things. Or are you over here where you're walking a life that's led by Christ? You're following him. He's leading you. He's given you peace and patience and joy and love and goodness and self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit. Is that your life? I want to give two invitations today. The first is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, what a better time than today to say, you know what, I'm tired of living my life my way. I want to say a prayer and just repeat it in your head with me. So if you guys could all... Close your eyes and bow your head. Just repeat with me if you want to know Jesus as your Savior. God, thank you for creating me and for loving me. I'm tired of living my own way. I need help and I'm asking you to be in charge of my life. I'm sorry for all the ways that I've messed up and sinned against you. I believe that your son, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead, and has the power to forgive me for all I've done wrong. I surrender my life to you and want to live your way, not mine. Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior? If you prayed that prayer just now, I invite you at the end of service, we have a book that we want to give you to just share the next steps of your walk and what to do next. We'd like to just pray with you. So our prayer team is going to be up here after the last, you know, when we, when we finish. And I'd encourage you to come up and pray with us. Just let us know you made that decision. We want to encourage you and pray with you. My second invitation. For those of you who are here this morning and you say, you know, I've walked away a little bit from my relationship with Christ. It's, it's become stale. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray that God would reignite that fire in your heart. We have a lost world. It's Bulgaria. It's here in Manchester. It's everywhere. We have people all around us every day that are lost. 
that don't know Jesus. So if you close your head, close your eyes and bow your head, I just want to pray a prayer. Father God, for those of us who have walked away or who have just become stale in our relationship with you, Lord, we just say I'm sorry. Lord, we come back to you this morning, and I thank you that you're such a forgiving God. You welcome us with open arms. Would you give us forgiveness for the sins that we've done? Lord, you, you welcome us as a dad would. And Lord, I just pray that you would reignite in each one of our hearts just how awesome it is to be in your presence and to walk with you every day, to feel your presence and to be led and guided by you, Lord. Some of us are just wondering why we're here. What is our purpose, Lord? And I pray that you would give us your direction. Lord, if you would put a peace in our heart as we wait in on you, Lord, as you move the chess pieces around in the background, we're such an impatient people, Lord, that we pray for our patience to, to wait for you. And in the meantime, Lord, can we just enjoy time with you, the silence, the solitude that you afford us, Lord, to hear your still, small voice. Lord, today we commit that we come back to you, Lord, and just pray that we can make it right again. And, and I know that you forgive our sins as far as the east is from the west, and I thank you for that, God. We just pray that we would be reignited with you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. So this week, would any of you be willing to, to join me in, in reading the Gospels Monday through Friday? Just to read this last week, if you would, would you just raise your hand if you commit with me to do that? Let's give him some time that he so richly deserves. Let's read the scriptures. Let's ignite that fire in our soul again. Let's walk in the power that God has for us. And let's show those people out there who he is so that we have eyewitness accounts. And maybe next year, who knows, maybe we're going to have people from all over come in and testify, you know, this person's made a difference. But God has made an even bigger difference. So I pray that you guys all have a great week. Don't forget Good Friday service this Friday night and then Easter Sunday. I encourage you, invite someone Sunday to come. Let's just blow the church open and uh, fill every seat, all right? So have a great day. Thank you, guys. Blessings.